0: All right, buckle up, because we're about to go down a rabbit hole that would make Alice's fall to Wonderland seem like a cakewalk. This week, we're unpacking the events around the untimely, dare I say suspicious, death of Teron Evans Jr. On January 8, 2021, 26-year-old Evans was found dead in the home of his girlfriend, Crystal Kip Hamilton. His official cause of death, a heart attack caused by overdose on a commonly prescribed antidepressant. However, Jennifer Backstrand, Tehran's mother and a BLM activist in Potsdam, New York, has another theory. She believes her son was killed in an effort to stifle the movement's progress, especially in regards to the treatment and deaths of two other individuals. So buckle up as we navigate this twisted road in an attempt to find some truth. I'm your host, Michael, and this is Strange and Unexplained. Tehran was born on February 24, 1994, in Syracuse, New York, to Jen Thomas Bidwell, now Jennifer Backstrom, and Tehran Evans Sr. A line from his obituary reads To know Tehran is to love him. His wisdom was that of someone twice his age. His kindness for all people was evident in everything he did, wherever he went. Tehran always had a huge smile on his face, and that smile of his was so infectious. But to tell Tehran's story, we have to step backwards a little and start from the beginning with his mother, Jennifer Backstrom, an organizer for BLM in Potsdam, New York, since June of 2020. Backstrom has been a vocal critic of the local and state police department's behavior regarding a number of cases involving police misconduct, starting with the death of 12-year-old Garrett Phillips. Garrett was murdered in his home in Potsdam on October 24th, 2011. The police were quick to throw suspicion on Garrett's mother's ex-boyfriend, a Jamaican man named Oral Hillary. He goes by Nick. Nick was arrested and tried for Garrett's death, but was eventually acquitted after it was discovered that the state prosecutor had intentionally withheld exculpatory evidence during the trial, which eventually led to the banning of state prosecutor Mary E. Rain, which led to Nick's acquittal. If you're interested in learning more about Garrett's death and Nick's acquittal, check out the HBO series documentary, Who Killed Garrett Phillips? Basically, the breakdown is that Garrett's mother had another ex, who she also had a very nasty separation from. And he was not investigated properly, to say the least. And that was former Deputy Sheriff John Jones. In 2016, when Nick was dismissed, people were split. Some believing a child killer was released on the streets, and others believing that an innocent man had been targeted by the investigation, likely as a cover-up. With Backstrom being part of the latter, she was also a vocal advocate regarding the Trayana Somerville case. 18-year-old Trayana was a victim of abuse and torture at the hands of her own mother, after many organizations put in place to protect her failed to do so. And yet somehow, Trayana's half-sister, who was only 13 at the time, became the prime suspect. The charges were eventually dropped against the sister, and Trayana's mother pled guilty and was just sentenced earlier this year to 20 years in prison. Jennifer believes that her involvement in the search for truth and justice in these cases and her vocal outrage aimed at the local authorities are the real motives for Tehran's death. So from what I gather, Jennifer moved to Potsdam from Syracuse in June of 2020 and started the local BLM chapter there. Tehran would follow his mother and join her in the movement, often by her side at protests and marches. In September, Tehran started dating a woman named Crystal Kip Hamilton, It would be in Hamilton's home where Tehran would be found dead, according to police, by suicide. In very disturbing body cam footage, Hamilton can be seen in her pajamas very early in the morning, saying that when she went to bed, Tehran had been on the couch and that he joined her later that night. She woke up to get ready for work and found Tehran beside her lifeless, with two empty bottles, allegedly Welbutrin, beside him on the bed. Now it has been pointed out that according to the National Library of Medicine that an overdose of Welbutrin is frequently associated with seizures, tachycardia, and agitation. The extended release formulation has also been associated with delayed seizures for up to 24 hours after ingestion. Status epilepticus, life-threatening arrhythmias, and cardiogenic shock have all been reported in overdose. Ms. Backstrand says the autopsy reported there were no pills found in Tehran's stomach, but that the toxicology did affirm an overdose. She also drops a bombshell when she alleges that Crystal Hamilton and her adult son Brian, who lived with her at the time of Tehran's death, were both police informants and known drug peddlers in the community. The body cam footage I mentioned before was under immense scrutiny, both for the lackadaisical attitudes of responding officers and for the poorly executed attempt at CPR. When the first officer enters the home and is led to Crystal's bedroom, Tehran is seen laying in the middle of the bed, lifeless. I want to caution anyone curious that this footage is hard to watch and we will not be including it in our video out of respect for Tehran and his family, but the link, if you are so inclined, is included in our sources. The officer stands asking questions for a few moments before he even bothers to check for Tehran's pulse, then proceeds with his sad attempt at CPR where he doesn't even move Tehran from the bed to the floor before attempting chest compressions, an odd move for someone trained and versed in CPR. Even the officer beside him can be heard questioning the technique in the video. The video cuts off before three minutes, and is apparently one of the only pieces of information given to Jennifer at the time of her son's death. She has attempted many times to get more from the police, but hasn't been very successful and she claims that the one file she did receive was dated and signed for 8 hours before Tehran's death. Now this lends itself to further her suspicions of Tehran being a target. Wouldn't it anyone? Why would police create and possess a file of someone who they did not have interactions with yet? Braxton says she filed a report with Internal Affairs after seeing the body cam footage and reading the file, only for the officer in question? To suspiciously resign. In fact, many of the Potsdam police and officials involved with the investigation have resigned or since moved on from their positions. And those who have replaced them refuse to reopen Tehran's case. Ms. Backstrand still advocates for Tehran and justice on his behalf. She has taken to social media in hopes of rallying support, mainly on TikTok. Speaking of, she actually DM'd us on Facebook about Tehran's case and we knew we had to cover it. She has also established a GoFundMe where she expresses her desire to hire an investigator, exhume her son, and find answers for herself. Violence has, no surprise, been used over and over again throughout history as a catalyst for silence from activists. So it's easy to understand why Ms. Baxter is so suspicious of her son's case. But one thing we know for sure is Tehran's case was handled poorly, possibly allowing a killer to slip undetected amongst the ranks themselves. As Miss Backstrand put it, Tehran's life mattered. Our family deserves justice, just as many other families do here in St. Lawrence County. If you enjoyed this episode of Strange and Unexplained, you can find new episodes every Monday on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, if you'd like to support us here at True Crime Guys Productions, please check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash truecrimeguys where you can get access to everything we make here at TCG Productions. That's it for this week. We'll see you next week with a new strange and unexplained case. But until then, be strange. Just don't be strangers. See ya.